Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitt's in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. When your life depends on it, when everything is on the line, you've got to get real about addiction treatment. Only Karen offers 65 years of medical expertise in evidence-based treatment with real proven results. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. So if you're ready for something real, visit caron.org slash real today. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. to the Benzinga Cannabis Hour. There are more people who are in favor of legalization. I saw the benefits of it for myself. I just have to ask, was there pot pasta in the cannabis cookbook? Oh, it was gorgeous. There was pot pasta. They were... We were talking about cannabis pasta. That opened my eyes to the cannabis industry. Is this new industry where now billions of dollars are being made. We're here to bring cannabis into culture. What up? How's it going? Happy Thursday. Welcome to Cannabis hour what uh, is happening oh you know man it is we're getting the hurricane elsa vibes here in north carolina are you i was wondering yeah. if you were gonna get it yeah yeah here we are uh hope everybody is staying safe if you guys are on the east coast not getting those flash flood warnings drop a one in the chat if you're ready to talk about some cannabis news killer show today um very very excited for this patrick we are talking to joseph dowling from cv sciences otc cvsi been, been a long time coming to get him featured on in our in our show here. He is uh, one of the leaders in the CBD industry, I think. And we'll we'll get some his, some of his expertise here. And I'm excited about our second guest, uh, somebody who you all may not know very well, the Life Group, uh, huge market share in the UK, absolutely huge market share uh, when it comes uh, to CBD uh, and the medical side of cannabis. So super pumped about that. I completely agree with you. I, I've been wanting to talk to 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 Joe Dowling for a long, long time. So I, I'm excited about that company. I want to hear what what their plans are. Um, I followed some of their recent uh, announcements and releases of gummies. So it's been really cool. I want to see how that's going. And then Life Group, I want to know more about, about what's going on in the UK. Right? It is a really cool market and one that a lot of people are talking up these days. Right? And mm-hmm. normally you would think, all right, just another some more lip service. Right? But it seems like things are kind of clicking over there right now. So I'm yeah. interested to to learn more. Well, I, I'm interested in their telehealth. Uh, you know, see how that's going over there. They have cannabis prescription dispensing. I mean, they have a ton of stuff that they can enlighten us on in, in terms of the uh, the parallelisms with our markets. Anyway, before we get to that, how about a little news? Let's um, do it. 
let's start with our friends over at Inverich Biosciences. Aegis Capital uh, just initiated, initiated coverage on them, and they are having a lovely day in the markets, I think up around 9% roundabouts. Oh, nice. Uh, Good for them. Yeah, so they uh, they were having a great day. Is that um, ENVB? Yeah, ENVB. Okay. Yeah, they're they're rebounding a little bit, you know, hitting a wall there. Um, but you know, they they've had a good day today. Yeah, no, I I, I like that company a lot. That's the one that recently, um, uh, well, I guess pseudo merged with, yeah, with pseudo. Magic Med, right? Uh, yep. It's it's not final yet, nor will it be for a hot second. But it it seems like things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I feel like some of the other biotechs are kind of getting some residual love today as well. Sky Biosciences, I think, is up 11% today. Nice. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that that's a great stock to keep an eye on. Uh, they are definitely more focused on uh, eye care, which may be a little bit um, uh, oxymoronic <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to cannabis. Um, but they, they, they're doing a lot of cool things, the glaucoma and some other, uh, some other cool items over there at Sky. Um, Patrick, we can't get a day in the life of cannabis without talking about Kim. Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, Tr Leave kills it on a daily basis. I yeah. don't really understand what we would be talking about if it wasn't Kim Rivers. But what was it? A, a $60 million acquisition mm -hmm. in, in Pennsylvania that 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 just completed? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it should be no surprise to any of us. I think They're that brings them up to 91 dispensaries nationally. 91. Philadelphia, I think if I read this right, is the second largest city on the East Coast, sixth in the country. Uh, and Big they, market. they up, they, uh, I think they got some, uh, I think they got some retail or sorry, real estate in King of Prussia, uh, which I believe isn't that one of the biggest malls. Yeah, one of the the largest malls in the country, right? It's yeah. absolutely phenomenally big. Huge. If that's even a thing, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's I'm I'm thrilled for Kim. I'm thrilled for for her business. Um, and you shareholders out there, I, I mean, I'm one of them. Uh, no recommendation here, but. Um, I'm definitely a true leave shareholder and I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys that would say, you know, listen, if you caught me a year ago, I would have said, Hey, the, the retail expansion and the large footprint, not necessarily a good thing. A lot of CapEx involved in that. Right. But for true leave, it works, right. They, they seem to know how to do this without killing their balance sheet. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so more power to them. Yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it the right way. And I think if you look at the ones that are doing the right way, it's those that are mixing organic growth with unorganic growth. So, you know, and I think True Leaf has been doing the organic for a while in Florida. Uh, and, you know, they've recently started to uh, branch out inorganically, which I think yeah. is really cool to see. No kidding. Well, listen, why don't we flip to one of your favorites? Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, our pals over at Sundial? What's going Sundial, on Sundial, they dropped in another... Gosh, I think it was 350-ish million more uh, into the Sunstream, uh, which basically I, I believe is a, is a investment vehicle for them. That's right. right. Uh, into uh, risk return, uh, you know, uh, cannabis plays. So <laughs> they are uh, really going hard at that. And you know, I think if I think the why is really the most interesting part about this. Because they are, when you look at their cultivation expertise, they're a small batch provider. Um, you know, how do they keep up with the growing popularity of their stock? And I think it's by putting money and basically taking 
ownership uh, of other people. And they, they've done so. I think they, they took control of a large retail brand earlier this year. They made an investment in Indiva. Yeah, um, I was going to bring Wonderful to investment. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think Sundial is, uh, out of all the meme stocks, I think you got to respect what they're doing. No, you do. You do. And and I, I listen, I don't think I'll preface what I'm about to say with, you know, keeping the Reddit stuff aside for a second. Right. Things aren't meme stocks just for no reason. Right. There, there is a story there. There is some kind of rebound or or interest that that is, is sparking a lot of the that that sort of up and down roller coaster cycle. So you, you got to hand it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, 350 million bucks is a lot. To it's up aside. to 538 million Canadian total. Yeah, so 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 clearly they they're going to go on a spending spree. They must at some point or either bring it back into the business, but I don't know how they would do that. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh, jury's out for me uh, in in terms of like what exactly that joint venture will look like or 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 the value additive nature of that to back to Sundial, but you know, it could be really good for them. Well, as a retail investor, you know, maybe it, it's a bit of a low risk play right now. So, I mean, uh, I, again, no, no recommendations, but um, I can see the, the argument for holding a little while and seeing what they do with that capital or just put them on your watch list. You know, do what you do, you know, use your strategies. No recommendations, as I said, but um, I, I, I like this move. I do. I, I think it takes the pressure um, off of uh, quarterly earnings. Every yeah. single, you know, every three months. Um, so I think this is a smart move. Um, let's keep going. I really like what New Lake just did with the mint. Mm. Yeah. So, so you know, the, these REITs that are out there, and and for all intents and purposes, the at least the public ones that we know of, uh, like your New Lake, your IIPR, um, your AFC, AFCG, advanced. Yeah. Advanced Flower Capital Gamma, or Jesus, whatever Friday. it is. Thank you. Um, but but you know the the ones that are out there, they the returns are are seemingly quite good in, in terms of what's there. Now now no offense to Lynn Tannenbaum and what he's done at AFCG, raising fifty five million dollars immediately. Like you got to worry about a little bit of dilution there if you're a shareholder. Um, again, no recommendation one way or the other on my part. But I think it's interesting that he raised money so quickly. In this case, Anthony and the team over at New Lake seem to be a fast follower, right? They're definitely not a first mover. They weren't the first to do this. They're not um, in it to win it by by going all in these huge, huge deals that you see from like IIPR and the rest, but they seem strategic. And the Mint dispensary has got to be one of the best out there, right? Oh, yeah. In, in terms of overall value of, of, uh, of company. They were in Arizona before it was cool, y'all. Right. You know, they, they were pulling in market share there. They, they've been doing so since, gosh, late 2019. <clears throat> but sorry. Um, but honestly, like they I think this is for cultivation, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you're going to see the mint start to uh, put some serious capex into growth with this. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see where they land. And also, you know, the more they grow, obviously, New Lake is is a beneficiary there. Yeah. So, so two more quick ones, and then I think we sh- we should probably bring on our first guest here. Um, other things that I'm seeing up right now, you got to hand it to Fabian Monaco and the team over at Gage. They just announced a partnership with Wiz Khalifa to bring his brand to the Michigan market. I'll let you know how that is. 
Um, and, and listen, they're up about 5% right now, uh, a little over 5%. So they're, they're doing well. Um, and I'm, I'm happy for them. The other is, is what used to be TerraTech and is now Unrivaled Brands Inc. This is interesting. They're up 15%. I mean, they've got a long way to climb back. Um, you know, let me see. They're, they're up about four cents, right? They're somewhere around 32 cents right now. But, uh, you know, this is a company that was kind of the bell of the ball there when we first came into doing conferences back in, I think it was 2017. Um, and, and they went through their ups and downs, right? So I'm interested mm -hmm. to see what this next chapter looks like for them. Always happy to see good things happen to people in this industry. So, you know, we'll see. We'll one, one, yeah, there's two more that I want to touch on as well, really quickly. We'll get Joe here on about four-ish minutes, three minutes. Um, Harborside acquires Sublime. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was originally like 38.4 million, but I think it may have been north of that a little bit. Um, but they acquired Sublime, and I think this is so interesting uh, because Sublime has one of, if not the leading pre-roll in California. Um, I think it's fuzzies something like that i think you're right yeah um yeah so i i read a number and honestly i have not researched my article that i got this number from because it, it gives me uh i i feel like this is a huge number for this but it said 7.9 percent of california market share and harborside just acquired that so i mean i need to go double check that number because that seems like a lot but um you know I, I if that is true that is a huge purchase and for not a lot of money so. Yeah, yeah, no. They, then, and I'm I'm proud of Matt Hawkins in in terms of what he's done over there, um, in, in kind of spearheading that that turnaround. You know, I think given what they're doing with that brand, this new cultivation uh, facility, I think it's in Salinas. They're doing really well, right? And they're definitely putting a you know their money where their mouth is without overspending, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They really have turned it around. You got to give major props to Harborside. Um, you know, uh, last but not least for me, um, actually Simon Shaw, let's give a shout out to you. Luxaria, uh, moving to NASDAQ only. Oh, good for them. Um, I love Luxaria, love Luxaria. Dehydratech is an incredible, incredible innovation. Uh, so I think as that takes off, uh, easy one for me to, to keep on my watch list. Good, man. Well, listen, uh, well, let's go ahead and bring yeah, Joe let's do it. over um, and, and, and kick this thing off here. But it, there's some good news, some good news happening today. Joseph <laughs> Dowling, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, yeah, our pleasure. How are, you, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Thank you. It's, uh, <laughs> we're not having uh, hurricanes here on the West Coast in San Diego. And, and uh, we're Rub not it in, Joseph. Come on, man. Extreme heat, so. If I if I start freezing, like you know what it is, it's the hurricane messing with exactly. my exactly. <laughs> it's good to have you, man. Obviously, I've known a CV scientist for a while. I think you and I met very briefly at Canavest, uh, whenever that was within person conferences. Um, but I am I've always had a great respect for you guys, so I'd love for you to give us a quick intro to CV Sciences, what you all do, a little bit of your background, would be great as well. Sure. Um, so I joined uh, CV Sciences uh, over seven years ago in 2014 uh, when there were four people at the company and the industry was still very stigmatized and not close to being mainstreamed. And, and 
my background is primarily in the banking industry, but most recently before I joined CV Sciences for about 10 years, I was in the biotech industry. So coming from the biotech industry, it was clear to me that bringing a science and regulatory emphasis to a, a stigmatized plant, and you know, you can think of it as cannabis or hemp, but it, it was critical. And from the beginning, uh, we worked to establish ourselves as the trusted company uh, that, that understood the importance of investing in science for both safety and efficacy. And, and we focused also on the regulatory issues very, very early, knowing that future products would need to comply with FTA, FDA and FTC regulatory guidelines, even though they're not in place yet. Um, and, and that strategy worked as we became uh, a, a, the trusted company and brand and were able to establish retail distribution at more than 7,000 locations since uh, 2014 with our flagship branded product line plus CBD. And so with that kind of distribution, you know, we now think of ourselves as a, a consumer packaged goods company that uses hemp or cannabis extracts as a mainstream ingredient. Um, but, but as you guys know, it's, it's uh, evolving even further and it goes way beyond that because cannabis and hemp extracts clearly have demonstrated a health and wellness impact that is still severely understudied. And this is moving our industry away from being stigmatized to being embraced as a nutrition and overall wellness component instead of just a recreational product. And so more than ever, we are a health and wellness company and not just on our consumer side. We also have a drug development program. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that, uh, which is a completely separate business segment utilizing CBD as the active in treating nicotine addiction. And, and no we kidding. have very good wow. preclinical data demonstrating efficacy. So we have two real distinct operating divisions. One, our CBD consumer product business, which you guys I'm sure are familiar with, but two, our lesser known drug division uh, with a very promising program focused on treating nicotine mm -hmm. addiction. Well, uh, Joe, thank you so much for that. That's really cool. And and I, I mean, I'm looking at your brands behind you up on the shelf, and you know, you, it's very clear to me just looking at these things that you are a health and wellness company. I see two that I wanted to ask about: calm and sleep. You know, the the, the names speak for themselves, right? You 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 care about what your your consumers are dealing with, and you know what they want, right? At the end of the day, so. So you just launched those, right, in uh, May, was it? Mid-May of this year? Correct. And right. they're available for purchase online, but not quite yet in retailers. Do I have that right? That's correct. Okay. And so how, when you're, when you're formulating these products, I'm, I'm always curious, right, from a health and wellness perspective, what is it that you are using as your baseline for determining, okay, we, we, wanna, we want to focus on the consumer's needs, what they want. Do you have focus groups? Are you talking to the consumers? Are you are you asking them like, you know, hey, at the end of the day, is it is it a calming uh, effect you're looking for? Is it help sleeping? Is it help with pain or anxiety or or in in this case, nicotine treatment, which we'll get to in a second? How is it that you guys are are beginning to look at which formulations you're going to try? Yeah, so I, I think your question is, how do you guys really look at and execute on product? development. And 
Yeah, that's a great way to boil it down. So, and and product development, we're we're at a kind of an unusual spot in our industry with product development because you're seeing a lot of kind of gimmicky products that are being introduced that have various minor cannabinoids sprinkled in and whether there's any science and there isn't really to support why you would include this minor cannabinoid or that minor cannabinoid as part of a formulation. Um, and, and you're not seeing a lot of the, the, the bigger companies uh, engaged in that kind of product development. I think what you're seeing us uh, do as, as well as some of the other bigger companies in our, our calm and sleep gummies are um, sort of an, an, an outcome of this is that the science is really kind of teaching us what, uh, you know, you know, where we can go with the plant. It's one of the most understudied plants uh, at this point in its, you know, sort of uh, evolution of anything. And that's because of prohibition for 80 years, of course, but Hmm. we still don't know a whole lot about what the plant is capable of doing, but, but over time that's going to evolve. And, um, but I think the main thing that we're driven by is how can we help address very specific need states? Um, and, and, and we know the need states uh, where consumers, at least anecdotally, are claiming health improvement. And, and those health states include for stress, anxiety, sleep, and pain. Those are the, the four most common need states that, that we hear from our consumers and that you can see in just about any survey that's out there. So anything that we're really pursuing is going to be with, uh, you know, mind towards, we want to make sure that we can um, develop products that are going to address those need states where we can actually make claims uh, on the packaging and comply not only with FDA, but also FTC packaging regulations, even though they're not fully in place. Uh, for our industry, we're doing that early. So I think that's really the the the, the guiding principle for us when it comes to to uh, product development. What areas uh, do our consumers really have needs in, and and how can we develop the very best products that are going to address those needs? And and again, our new gummies, our new sleep and calm gummies, do that very clearly. I'm looking at your your place in the overall CBD market. I'm getting a little bit of echo there. I don't know, Patrick, if that's you. Um, regardless, um, it, you know, when you look at CBD, it's it's a wide array of a lot of companies claiming to have CBD and there's none in there. Um, and I think you all are part of a study, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, my, my main question here is how do you guarantee, um, you know, the the efficacy, the, 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 the quality of what CV Sciences is doing? And how do you help move the industry forward or, or actually better way of saying that, how do you bring trust back to this industry uh, within CBD, you know, until the government gets on board? Well, the way that we've always done it is to every, everything that we do is completely transparent from, from uh, every aspect of our supply chain, how we procure raw materials, um, how we process the, the raw materials into, into the, the purest form of uh, and, and consistent form of, of CBD oil that then gets formulated into products that each, each step there's, there's a, a test internally and externally um, to, to, to really um, confirm um, the uh, concentration and the formulation uh, that is actually on the uh, ingredient deck 
and supplement fact panel that you'll see on the label on the product itself. Uh, all of that is connected to a QR code where you can look at the certificate of analysis. So that's that's the definition of transparency. And we were the very first company to put a QR code on our packaging where you could go direct to a certificate of analysis and verify what's actually in the bottle. And so, so cool. it, it takes that kind of leadership, which we established very early on and others have followed us. So we think that's a good thing uh, to, to create that kind of credibility, but it's gonna take some time to uh, instill that same credibility in the mind of consumers. And so obviously FDA action will help that and help clear out some of the, some of the clutter and the bad actors that will put anything in a package and put anything on a label and sell it online because the barrier to entry at the moment is pretty low. But I, I, I think there are a number of brands out there that are doing things correctly, as I just described. And we certainly were, you know, one of, if not the first, but uh, one of the leaders in the industry that is keeping that, that practice intact. You know, I, I want to take that a step further if I can. Um, when it comes to, and I feel like we're so used to talking about federal legalization for cannabis um, and, and the timeline around that, that we, you know, we sometimes forget that the FDA regulations haven't been handed down yet for the, the proper use of CBD and how to track it and what to say on the label and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if, if Joseph, you could back up a second and just remind us where are we in that process? And Aaron, I do hear the echo now as well. Um, but, but, but give us a sense of where we are, what timeline you see for any correction there um, and, and, and the like. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, a $64,000 question or probably more. Um, the, um, so I, I, I think of, of cannabis hemp kind of in the same, you know, realm. Um, and, and I think there's momentum, uh, for the entire cannabis space, including for CBD. Um, you guys know this. I, I think the current count is 36 States now allow medical marijuana use and 18 states allow recreational use and who would have thought and you guys may have covered this on another show but who would have thought we would hear supreme court justice clarence thomas just a week ago about a little more than a week ago say the federal government's marijuana laws are contradictory and that they may no longer be necessary so that that's momentum um on the CBD side, uh, you know, we've, I think, not given up uh, trying to guess when the FDA will eventually establish a regulatory framework, but we, we are certain that they will. I, I don't think there's any doubt that there's um, not just pressure from consumers, but also uh, sort of other sister organizations in other countries that are ahead of the FDA in, in starting to establish uh, some regulatory guidelines. And and all of this is really good for the industry. It's going to help our industry become more mainstream and, and minimize any stigma that, that may still be present. And, and I believe it will be a strong growth catalyst when it occurs. And I also believe um, a regulatory framework will create barriers to entry that will help eliminate a lot of the bad actors. So some of those issues that, that you're raising about you know, poor quality products, uh, products that you know are are making claims when 
there's no basis to do so. Um, really confusing consumers. Uh, I, that that's going to go away. It will take some time, but it's going to go away. Um, and there will be barriers to entry based on the regulatory process that gets put in place. And oddly, that's going to help grow the industry. I don't think there's ever been an industry uh, like ours that has begged for a strong regulatory framework, but we're certainly one of them. Everybody realizes that's going to help legitimize and grow the industry further. All right. I'd love to shift directions a little bit here. Um, all right. So can you please just give us like the 69 mile high view of what Delta That's 8 THC a lot of is? I so know. Many well, miles. you know, it doesn't have to be like, uh, you know, the genetics of it or anything, but Delta 8 THC, what is it? And if you wouldn't mind just telling us what Joseph Dowling thinks of Delta 8 THC. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is... <laughs> Well, this, uh, this is good. Um, I, I think before evaluating Delta-8-THC as an ingredient, it, it helps to understand some of the underlying reasons for the recent upsurge in its use. Uh, because of the growing CBD industry, there is a supply chain surplus of CBD, and there is also a, a surplus of Delta-9-THC as well. Um, and that, that's primarily thanks to the THC remediation process involved in CBD production. So both CBD and Delta-9 are prime candidates for conversion into Delta-8. And with suppliers having huge excess inventory of both, you can understand why suppliers would pursue Delta-8. It's simple. Right now, Delta-8 is more profitable than CBD and some argue falls into a legal loophole and avoids the issues related to Delta 9. I, I can go into that in a minute. But so with that background, I think you are seeing, uh, what you're seeing is the use of Delta 8 as an ingredient by companies that kind of specialize in quasi-legal ingredients. And, and But so far, we haven't seen the more established CBD companies using Delta 8 um, as an ingredient. From a regulatory standpoint, we believe there are significant obstacles to adding Delta-8 to any FDA-regulated products, including food, beverages, and, and dietary ingredients. So I, I think Delta-8 THC will stay as a quasi-legal ingredient for a period of time, and then it will disappear. I, I think that the CBD and THC oversupply that we currently have will stabilize also, I don't believe any company in the short term will invest in the science and regulatory work to legitimize Delta-8. Um, I, I guess from a personal standpoint, I, I have two adult sons and they tell me that the consensus among their friends is that the Delta-8 user experience under delivers uh, when compared to Delta-9 so why bother? Interesting. I can say for me, a full spectrum T CBD tincture with trace Delta 9 gets me more in the zone and helps me with several need states, including stress and sleep. So I, I, I think Delta 8 has a expiration date. And uh, as soon as we have a more stabilized raw material uh, supply chain, I, I think it's going to go away. Super interesting. And I, I, I really appreciate the way you said that, because really what you're doing is focusing on the experience 
and the difference in terms of what um, yeah, I, I hate to I hate to use the term legitimate product, you know, can offer. But it certainly seems to me that that especially from a health and wellness company, that has to be your focus, right? It's got to be on the experience and, and the end result for for the consumer. So I don't blame you for for taking uh, for taking that that opinion. Yeah, and I, I'm not even going into the details of how Delta-8 is extracted and, and synthesized in the lab. Um, it's about as far away from a natural or organic product that you can get. And so I'm not sure it helps the, the general cannabis space or the CBD space much. Speaking of organic, um, is there a, do you place a wide value on that, uh, on the word organic when, when you are marketing your products, when you're growing your products. It's something that we actually, I don't think we've touched on a lot, Patrick, here is uh, the aspect of being an organic CBD company. I think it's very important to some consumers. I think um, it, it's interesting. I, I know uh, many of the folks that were instrumental in writing the organic uh, regulations. Um, and uh, I, I won't, I'll, I'll I'll spare, uh, you know, the discussion because um, it, it's not as flattering as um, I, I think some would hope that it might be. So um, I'm not questioning the legitimacy of, of the term organic, but I, I think that um, it, it might be a little bit overblown. Uh, but no, I, I think it is important. I think some of the aspects of it are, are, are great ideas in terms of um, instilling as much of that as possible as you can into product development and sourcing of ingredients. Um, and again, I think to a, a certain consumers, it, it's critical and, and it's, um, and it, uh, it is, is a threshold issue for them. Yeah. I've always thought that that was interesting and maybe that's why we haven't really had a chance to dive into it heartily on this show, but I, you know, it's, it's almost as if some of the track and trace requirements and, um, and options for certain companies these days in this space, it, it kind of takes care of that in a lot of ways for, for consumers who care about, about things being truly trackable back to the, you know, whichever farm plant section of the farm that, that it came from. So, so that's really interesting. And I appreciate you saying that. So yeah, I think really, I, you know, just to add on, I think what yeah. consumers care about more is um, the cleanest ingredients possible. Uh, and, and the cleanest uh, processes applied, especially to the to the main ingredients, and that and that would include CBD. So, you know, avoiding chemical extraction, for example, is is uh, something that I think most consumers would say, yes, that's important to me. And and certainly Delta Eight does not follow fall into that category. So, um, you know, that that's what we're finding in terms of our consumers that they most care about. Are you using a, a clean ingredient deck for the products that you're trying to sell me? I love that. You know, I'd like to end on this, if you don't mind. I ask this to a lot of executives uh, since I've been interviewing this show. Uh, and it's about the importance of, of your background in terms of leading cannabis into the future and your company into the future. Um, you know, I, I find a lot of different backgrounds in this industry from finance and banking uh, to biotech and successful exits to legacy growers. Um, and I'm curious how much uh, value you you place on, on banking. And it sounds like you place a lot of good, a lot of value on biotech. So that may be the more interesting storyline there. Well, I think, I think it's a broad set of skills that are going to be important. I think the, uh, in, and I've 
you know, obviously I have banking experience, I have biotech experience and, and the combination of those two. But I, I do have, I did bring uh, some CPG experience to the space. But I, I think it's elements from all of those industries and, and the discipline that, that comes in, in the, the business practices that are involved um, from all of those industries into an industry that desperately needed some mainstreaming. I can tell you when I got into the space in 2014, uh, and you guys may remember some of this there, uh, no one would touch uh, anything that, that we were operating in. We couldn't find manufacturers. Uh, we couldn't find a commercial bank. Uh, we couldn't find legitimate credit card processors. And so over time, that's changed. But uh, also what matters is uh, that the people that really are in the senior positions at a company, and, and me included, uh, you know, eventually, as we evolved the industry and mainstreamed it and destigmatized it, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, JP Morgan Chase uh, as a credit card processor or as a commercial bank um, in, in our situation, um, that, that takes uh, them getting comfortable with who they're dealing with on the other side. And so I think bringing uh, credibility, professionalism, business practices, understanding of, of uh, certainly uh, the CPG space, uh, as well as the biotech space uh, in our case, um, and, and the legal, the regulatory um, requirements uh, that, that go along with a, a very difficult uh, ingredient. Um, I, I think that, that is, those are skills that somewhat are developed over time, but I think you bring um, you know, the, the, the broad range of skills from certainly my background to, to this industry. But I think you know, to, to, to kind of complete the, the answer, um, it, to, to further mainstream and destigmatize and legitimize the industry so that we have consumers that can trust the industry so that when they pick something off the shelf, they say, I know this brand, I know this company, I have a lot of confidence and trust that what they're saying on the outside of the bottle is inside the bottle. And after I try it and I have good results from it, I can do that again and get consistent uh, experience from, from that purchase. Achieving that does not happen with um, you know, less than uh, best practices. And it really uh, does take um, you know, a lot of skill to get to that point. That's wonderful. And, and Elliot, I'm sure you were gonna say this, so I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase here. Um, in the last couple of minutes we have left, Joseph, the opportunity in your company, right, especially for the investors watching, when it comes to what you just said and, and you know, the companies that are caring about those things, that are operating uh, in a way that um, inspires trust in the consumer with what you're putting out there, um, that there's opportunity there. I wonder if there's just any way you want to button that up and, and tell us a little bit about the opportunity specifically with CV Sciences. Yeah, I, I think eventually that, uh, you know, the, the companies that embrace the kind of practices that I've been describing during this, uh, during the call are the companies that are going to emerge as the winners. They, uh, you're just not going to see shortcuts being able to, to be taken. It's, um, you're seeing more and more uh, sort of consumer product type testing, uh, random testing of, of products in our industry. And again and again, you're seeing, you know, a huge portion of, the, of those that are tested, you know, come up way short on 
matching what's in the bottle to the uh, to the ingredient deck. And so, it, you know, and and that doesn't help anyone in the industry. But I think that is slowly but surely uh, being overcome, and it's being overcome by companies like us that are committed to the highest quality products, transparency, investment in science and research. And, and over time, that's going to win. Fantastic. Joseph, thank you so much for being here. Uh, CV Sciences, OTC listed CVSI. I do hope you'll come back and give us some updates in the near future, but it's been a pleasure having you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thank appreciate you very much. Soon. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Patrick, I mean, powerhouse in the space, been around for since 2014, I think he said. Um, definitely helping leading the industry into the future. I've, I've been enjoying watching that company for a while. And I think, you know, it, it, it's not just lip service, right? And again, I said that earlier before, before uh, Joe came on, but I think what's interesting at the end of the day is how much emphasis that they're putting on the consumer the trust that they're building, the experience that they want the consumer to have and enjoy and want more of, right? It's not just about getting someone high. It's about treating what ails them, right? And, and meeting them where they are, right? It's, it's a true health and wellness play. And I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Absolutely. Uh, so let us keep moving. We have about 20 minutes left, enough for a wonderful conversation with the CEO of The Life Group. L-Y-P-H-E. Dean Friday, how are you, sir? Hi, guys. How are you going? Thanks very much for having me on. Oh, oh glad it's a to pleasure, man. Yeah. Best name, by the way. Dean Friday. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Why didn't you go into theater, man? That stage name is killer. That is a great name. <laughs> uh, Dean, if you wouldn't mind, just get, get us started here. Let us know who the Life Group is. Uh, a little bit about your background would be fantastic, just as an introduction. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, so my name's Dean Friday, as we've established already. Uh, I'm from Perth in Western Australia. Um, and uh, look, my background is in uh, accounting and finance. I, I trained at KPMG I, uh, uh, you know, in my very, very early stages of my career. Came to the UK uh, pretty quickly after that and, uh, and stepped into investment banking for a couple of years. Very quickly stepped into, into tech entrepreneurship. Uh, straight after that, I didn't really enjoy working in big corporates, and uh, I've had a, a quite a bit of success in in, uh, in tech entrepreneurship. I've uh, set up quite an early stage gig economy business, uh, which uh, was a profitable business, and saw a, a good exit from that. Um, also spent, uh, I guess, coming a little bit from my uh, my background from a mining town of Perth. I. Uh, I spent a, a number of years working as a CFO of uh, a couple of different mining companies. Uh, obviously, fantastic experience uh, taking businesses through from exploration into development and into, and into production. And um, after that stint, uh, again, reverted back to, to, to technology, to, to tech businesses and, and worked in a, a number of different roles, uh, either as a you know, co-founder or a COO or CFO um, in a SaaS business, an e-commerce business and, a, and another kind of business services operation. And that's before I started working uh, at The Life Group and co-founded The Life Group with, uh, with a few of my other co-founders. <laughs> so what is the Life Group? Life Group is, uh, look, we're, we're the largest medical cannabis business in the UK by patient numbers and, and, and revenues. Um, and uh, you know, we've established a very, very solid position in the UK market. Uh, we have 60% of, uh, we, we serve a 60% of the, the UK's medical cannabis patients. That's insane. And it's, uh, I, I, yeah. Can you just repeat that, please? You, you serve 60% <laughs> 
That's of right. medical yeah. patients in the UK. That's a, what, that's what is that market size? What does that look like, Dean? I'm, look, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an earlier stage market than what you guys have experienced with. You know, we think there's about 8,000 patients in the UK market at this point in time. Uh, and uh, so it, it's early stages, but it's, it's following the exact same trajectory as uh, most of the markets that we've seen, we've, uh, we've studied as they move through. Very quiet uh, first year. We're really in year two now, and we're, seeing, we're starting to, sk- uh, to see now that doctor education is starting to take uh, uh, you know, take grip, now that uh, you know, I guess the, the the stigma is starting to dissolve across the country, and, and people become, I guess, more generally aware of medical cannabis uh, or the benefits of medical cannabis as a therapy. Uh, I guess becomes more widely known. Uh, the the rates of uh, patient growth are starting to, to kind of see exponential uh, rates of growth. But yeah, look, I mean, our business we're we're if not the first, a, a very first mover in in the market in the UK. Um, it's a very heavily regulated market in the UK, which prevents, you know, you know establishes some barriers to entry. Um, we, we operate at the intersection of, of what, we, what we say health tech and medical cannabis. You know, we're a, a vertically integrated business. We, uh, you know, and in our world, that what that means is that it incorporates uh, manufacture, import, wholesale, clinical care, and dispensing services. We don't uh, go upstream up to cultivation, number one, because there's actually no cultivators uh, permitted in the UK at this point in time. And number two, that's it's not really where we want to play. We, we see ourselves um, being best placed uh, to build long-term value downstream. So uh, on that note, it's worth mentioning that, you know, we, we again, we focus on, on downstream activities. We want to own the, the direct-to-patient relationship and own that, uh, that, that, that customer relationship, if you will. Um, and, and we see that is where you know, building brands is where we're going to be able to deliver long-term value in this market. So as an extension of that, you know, what we're looking to do is build the most recognised cannabis uh, pharmacy brand, dispensary brand, uh, the most recognised cannabis product brand, and the most recognised cannabis clinics brand. Clinics, whilst it's not as important in um, you know, the North American markets, uh, it's actually quite an important part of, of uh, most of the European markets, as it's where it's it's a patient access point, and um, and as there's no marketing permitted uh, for medical cannabis products um, in in really any country in Europe, um, it's very important to be able to have that direct to patient um, direct to patient access. Very cool, very cool. Let me jump in here for a second, Dean, because I think you know what you're describing is sort of a well-rounded model uh, of wanting to establish yourself not only as a first mover, but uh, a mover in really all parts of the market, which is really kind of cool, minus the cultivation piece, which you mentioned. Um, and I'm glad to see Elliot's back. I thought Hurricane Elsa got him for a second, but <laughs> seemed um, like it for a second. <laughs> but but uh, but Dean, um, my my curiosity here. I mean, listen, during COVID, um, and and I should say the the real tough part of COVID, right? We all saw the digital world explode, right? Um, including things like Zoom and Blue Jeans and shows like this um, and, and also telehealth, right? So what I want to hear a little bit more about is this tech part of the platform for you guys. What does that look like? What does it mean? Um, what does that represent to you in terms of opportunity in the business? Because uh, I think that's super interesting and I'm sure a lot of the folks uh, watching are going to want to hear about that. Yeah, sure. Look, the tech um, emphasis in our business, the tech focus in our business has really come from the, I guess, the, the pedigree of a number of the, the senior executive team. Uh, you know, I, I myself came from a, a, tech, a tech background. Uh, again, a bunch of my co-founders similarly came from technology, 
digital marketing and these types of aspects. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, COVID had a, had a, fun, a really uh, interesting impact on our business. I mean, immediately before uh, COVID, we had uh, we were operating from seven different uh, clinic locations uh, across the UK. Uh, that obviously switched off immediately. Uh, yeah. But we were able to get special dispensation to operate as a telehealth clinic, which hadn't been permitted before. And so, again, very quickly, and look, largely due to the, the fact that we, you know, we're a very tech-enabled team, we're able to switch that on and really capitalise on, on that. And um, now 100% of our clinical consultations are done via telehealth. Um, and then, uh, you know, in addition to that, uh, you know, the digital pharmacy, which which we we operate, the online or what we call a distance selling pharmacy in the UK, is a is a big feature of uh, of the business and and uh, all our, um, you know, every patient that receives product from us is is uh, is essentially transacted um, via that digital pharmacy, that distance selling pharmacy, and, and the product is delivered direct to their door. Now, look, that's really important for our business. Um, for a number of different ways. Number one, we see that uh, you know, establishing a, a very much a, a tech-focused business is, is of critical importance in terms of facilitating our ability to be able to scale, not only in the UK, but then also into other markets in Europe. And look, you, know, you mentioned before, um, you touched on our business model. We, we feel as though we've really nailed the, the business model in the UK. And look, you know, we, are, we do cover all, all the aspects um, in the market, and that's largely because we had to actually build that out ourselves. We had to build the, 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 the cannabis infrastructure in, in, uh, you know, in the UK ourselves because there were no um, you know, doctors that were um, educated and understood medical cannabis. Uh, we, we, you know, we run a, a, um, an academy to, to train and educate doctors in how to prescribe medical cannabis. Um, there were no clinics that specialised or, or established a, a focal, focal point or a patient access point for, for patients that needed or um, you know, medical cannabis. There was no um, dispensaries or, you know, or anywhere to be able to source the product. Um, and there were, it hadn't been imported into the country. There was no cultivation uh, permitted. And, and, uh, and was, so, you know, we, we established an, an import of the first product into the country, the first bulk order into the, into the country. And... And, um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's very curious to, to be trailblazing the industry like this. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, you know, in, in the UK market, uh, very much been the case. Are you trying to be the Amazon of cannabis? It nah. <laughs> sounds like you're attacking a lot of the tech side, man. Uh, you know, you keep bringing up the, the UK. It seems like you guys are growing as fast, if not a little bit faster uh, than your market can hold you. So I'm curious, is expansion in the works for you guys? Good question. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, we we see ourselves as um, you know very similar to a to a, a US MSO in a lot of respects. You know, we've got a a, a go to market strategy. We've got we've targeted a number of states, European states. That is obviously, um, uh, you know, I guess what distinguishes uh, Europe from the US in in, in a lot of respects is that uh, the the European market's complex. There's you know there's you got this overarching regulatory framework that's um, that's established from the EU, but then each single country in Europe is very different in terms of uh, you know all the different all the different aspects in terms of the the whole value chain, ranging from importation, uh, you know how product can be imported into the country, uh, you know from a clinical point of view, what conditions can be prescribed for, um, you know whether the product should. Uh, can be prescribed by a GP or whether it has to be from a medical specialist, 
uh, you know, what, you know, whether the product needs to be prescribed as a, what we call a medicine of last resort, or what I mean by that is, you know, does several other products need to have been tried or therapies need to have been tried first before medical cannabis can be prescribed. And then there's lots of different rules around pharmacy uh, as well. So you've got to have a very close and, uh, and in-depth understanding of the regulatory framework in every single market to be able to have any chance of establishing a you know good go-to-market strategy and 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 not being able to execute well and um, look to answer your question yes there's uh, we're we're at the, at literally about to deploy in in two other um, European states and uh, we've got another uh, two that are, that are very going to be following very close behind. That's that's phenomenal. So you know I ask this question of everybody and feel free to say as much or as little as you want. But when it comes to the overall plan right? Or let's say the goal for life group and what you guys are building, you know, every, for every executive, it's different, right? Whether you're building a company that, that you want to be a legacy brand for, for years to come, or whether there's potentially a partnership, um, like a, like an Afria Tilray moment or, or some sort of exit. Right. And I think at the end of the day, what's interesting to me is seeing a lot of flurry of activity in the European market right now. Right. You, you've seen the Cureleaf MAC deal. You've seen Cleverly mm -hmm. Zethi Farm. You've seen all kinds of things happening. Um, are you guys potentially in uh, in position for partnerships? Would you be interested um, in, in an exit at some point or, or are you building the brand to to stay the, the next Pepsi or Coca-Cola or um, yeah, I don't know. Give me a fun British brand that I can I can throw out there. <laughs> <laughs> Weedabix, Marmite. <laughs> thank you, Marmite. Yes, thank you. Um, look, it, it's uh, you know, we're very much focused. Uh, you know, we're a team of of, of operators in, in in a lot of respects. You know, we're, we're focused on on making sure that we absolutely nail operations in each of these new markets that we're we're, we're focused on. Having said that, you know we've. Uh, uh, you know, we, we I'm sure that we will be seen by a lot of different groups as, as uh, you know, a real key to opening up Europe for, a, you know, a North American uh, suitor, a North American group looking to, to jump over the pond. You know, it's a Europe is a hugely attractive market. It's 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 the most exciting market, uh, you know, I think really globally at this point in time. Uh, you know, it has a population of of close to double that of North America. Um, you know, I was looking the other day at uh, the top 100 North American cannabis companies, um, and uh, they, they total up to 120 billion of market capitalization. Now, I think there might be 500 to 700 million in total in um, in, in Europe, uh, and that's just because the you know we, we haven't got to that inflection point. You know, we've, we've still got so much growth yet uh, yet to go, and so that does talk to the huge opportunity that is uh, over in Europe. Um, so, so yeah, uh, yeah. Look, we're you know definitely getting interest from from North American groups. Um, you know, we're focused on delivering against our internal operating objectives in terms of uh, you know maintaining our position uh, in the UK and, and also entering these new markets. Um, but clearly, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, we'll look at opportunistically the um, interest from from groups internationally. Yeah, I love that. And I, Elliot, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to ask one more follow-up there. So so the way I think of the UK market, and I, I'm sorry, I just want to make sure I get the number Can right. Can you close my, my door? The, the medical cannabis, oh, I hope she did. Um, the, the medical <laughs> cannabis market in the UK, you're saying there's about 8,000 
um, uh, medical patients right now. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yep. So that reminds me of, you know, and we, and Elliot and I talked to, to everybody from consortium to body and mind, you know, some of these MSOs here in, in the States, in markets like Texas and Ohio, right. Where, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with those Dean, but the, the medical community is around that mark, right. It is quite small and growing, but these are companies that have to participate in the building out of that infrastructure in each of those markets, right? Everything from doing the lobbying to figuring out how to, to, to set up shop in places that are strategic and helping educate these potential patients, these potential cannabis users on the, the overall opportunity for them in treating what ails them, right? So when it comes to a company like you guys and owning 60% of the market share in, in the UK already is, is astronomically high, what is that like for you? I mean, you must have been doing all of the grunt work then for the rest of, of those companies in the UK market with you, really. If you, if you have that market share, you must have been the, the guys there on the ground building it out. Yeah, look, I mean, as I touched on before, you know, there was literally, there was no you know, medical cannabis infrastructure to the, you know, the, for us to to work with or to use as a supplier we literally had to 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 build it all out ourselves so so yeah look it's um it's uh yeah we've had to draw on and build out the skill sets from uh you know in our organization on on various different fronts we're not a you know a uh and a uh you know, we we are we're not a very narrowly focused business. I mean, we're very narrowly focused on on, on what we're doing, but um, we we do need um, skill sets from uh, you know, up and down the value chain to be able to to make it all happen, uh, and work with great partners as well. Um, but look, you know, f- for us, it's a uh, it's a heavily regulated market. It's a it's a relatively complex patient pathway access pathway, and so you know, it's uh, it, it requires you know to you to be able to to you know, build your systems and your business to uh, to not only deliver and execute very well from a customer service point of view and a you know, just an operational accuracy point of view but also build the scale because you know it's uh you know where where um you know the, the growth has happened fast and and it's you know we're growing significantly month on month and so so yeah for a business like this uh you know that's going through really strong uh really strong growth you've got a there's always growing pains right with, with a high growth business Always. Well, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I found out where the echo was coming from because I have two mics going right now. So I've been muting myself thinking you guys weren't hearing me, but here we are. Uh, technology. Maybe you well, can help clear, me. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have a question. You brought up partners. Uh, I, I mean, you're working with just tons of incredibly reputable companies here. Reputable, as Jason would correct me. Um, I mean... I, are you going to keep uh, bringing in new partners, or are you are you looking for more? It seems like you have a high standard for who you work with here as well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, for us, you know, what's really important is uh, you know we we have our own brand of medical cannabis products, um, which again is you know it's is the the biggest selling product in the market, largely due to the, the I guess the size of the the share of the market that we have. Um, but look, we source and, and supply. You know, through our dispensary, maybe 90, 95%, 90% of the, of the products that are available in the UK market. Um, uh, clearly, we're, uh, you know, we're always searching for um, the suppliers that can provide, you know, high quality, you know, you know uh, 
high quality products with a secure su supply chain. That's always been a, an issue in, in into the European markets because you yeah. know, we've got uh, you know pretty tough regulations over here in terms of the EU GMP regulations. And clearly, products uh, you know partners that can provide products at a, at a at a good price because you know medical cannabis has been quite expensive over here in Europe and and you know we feel that that uh, bringing the price down um, to the consumer is a really important part in terms of continuing to 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 accelerate the the growth and the accessibility of, of medical cannabis to to patients and not only here in the UK but but uh, in these other markets that we're working very closely in it's a, been a big focus of ours and and uh, we'll. D deliver us a, a lot of uh you know competitive advantage going to these markets very cool it sounds like you guys have built very quickly uh, a, a very competitive moat around yourselves and i think that that's really interesting especially in a market that is it, it still seems like it's in its infancy although things seem to be moving quite quickly there as well so um, i i'm interested to follow especially what you do in the other european states and you know who knows i mean i, I don't I, I don't know should we ask if there's potential to to go back home uh to australia at some point and and <laughs> take it back across the pond the other direction <laughs> yeah look i mean the australian markets uh yeah it's very interesting i'll um i'll be back there at some point in time but it's uh but i'm pretty firmly wedged into 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 the into europe um for the foreseeable future yeah well <laughs> great places both to be so very enviable yeah. um, dean thanks for being here with us man um do you want to leave our investors with any last thoughts i mean we've covered a lot in the opportunity of life group here um but i i mean any last thoughts uh 30 seconds here um look you know it's uh well, I think we've covered off the the major points and major features of of uh, where we are at and and uh, and what we're doing in 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 both the UK and in other European markets. Um, look, I, I think you know what sets us apart is is really having, I guess, access to you know superior you know, regulatory and uh, and market intelligence, industry intelligence into each of these markets. Um, it's being able to kind of build a a business model that's able to scale very quickly and easily, and um, and you know hit that right go-to-market strategy, which I think is um, it's what uh, a lot of the Canadians have, haven't have done very well. Um, you know, we all know of a number of the Canadians that have um, kind of tried to blitz their way into Europe, um, perhaps a bit a bit clumsily and, and without the right strategy, um, you're spending a lot of money without, without really getting, understanding the local markets and getting the go-to-market strategy right. And, um, and I think that's been the, the kind of the, the secret source for us. Awesome. Dean Friday, CEO and co-founder of Life Group. Really appreciate you being here with us today, Dean. Thanks so much. Thanks very much, guys. What a, what a great conversation. Thanks, man. I look forward to following you guys. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right. All See right. you soon. So cool. Yeah. So cool. You can't decide whether you're coming or going, can you? That wasn't me. That was Aaron. He kicked yeah. me off this oh, time. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Aaron's Producer waving. AB. Yeah. Aaron's waving. You're yeah. like Dorothy in Oz. You just get caught up in the little tornado and you're gone. I guess so. Um, yeah, the, the tornado of their market share. <laughs> yeah. No, so how cool is that? I mean, the and I, we probably seem like such rubes talking to uh, to him about the UK market. But, geez, it sounds like... Even even though, listen, it's a very concentrated group of, of patients right now, 60% of that market share is no joke. No, 60% right? of, of, of 10 people is no joke. You know, there's com there's competition there, y'all. I mean, uh, MAC is there. You know, don't, don't forget about Cureleaf International there. Like, I mean, and, and Life Group is currently superior. 
They're <laughs> well, they're rolling. They are yeah. rolling right now. So, um, so listen, Aaron, Aaron's got it. Aaron's got it rolling, right? Benzinga.com. Hit the like button. Subscribe. Yeah. If you want to hear about certain tickers, if you want to see certain executives, tell us who. Right. You can email um, events at Benzinga.com. I don't cannabis. know. If Do cannabis hour at Benzinga.com. Okay. Whatever. There's a different yeah. one. Cannabis, cannabis hour at Benzinga.com. Use that one. Let us know who you want to hear from. Um, you know, pray for Elliot in, in the, the clutches of the hurricane or his, his wife leaving the door open or whatever it was. I'm not sure. I just wanted to interrupt you. That's fine. That's <laughs> the only thing I wanted much. to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brett, real quick, Brett, Gregory, I'm going to look into BBBT. Yeah, no, I'm in. curious. Yeah, tune back in Tuesday, Thursday. I'll hit you up. I just I don't know about them to be quite honest with yeah, you. Yeah, me so, But I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, I'll look into it, man. Um, Might Extreme is an organic pesticide and mold killer. Listen, huh. like I, I mean, it, it, these companies that can benefit from being uh, from helping companies be compliant or helping them achieve uh, a certain level that makes them more marketable. Um, that there's probably a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, stay stay tuned, y'all. After hours with Ryan Rosbiani. God, I never say his name right, but I think that's Poor it. Rosbiani. Uh, he is next up, y'all. We will be back on air Tuesday at four thirty, uh, talking cannabis stocks. Uh, until then, Patrick, I will probably talk to you soon. I'm sure I'll call you on my <laughs> yeah. way home. Bye, yeah, everybody. Thanks, Been producer real. Aaron. Later. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a karate teacher to trim their hedges. Man, these shrubs are not made of plywood. Don't worry, another few chops should do it. Yeah! Nope! Yeah! Dang! But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Oh, this treehouse looks like particle board. Yeah! There we go. I'm starting to doubt myself. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.